Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Enrico de Castro, and you are tuning in to the What's in Your Case podcast. Our guest today is a 25-plus-year veteran of the folk scene in California and has now expanded to the East Coast. They've played for showcases, festivals, and have been featured in Concert in the Park. She describes herself as cottage core since the day she was born. My guest, my friend, Otto, or as they're known, Autumn Skyhall. Hi, Don Rico. Hello, hello. Hello. It's nice to touch base with you via the wonder of the internet. <laughs> this is probably the farthest interview that I've done so far. I'm excited to be um, setting precedents. <laughs> so Autumn used to be the host of several open mics here in Sacramento. One thing that you really strive to create was a welcoming and friendly environment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. What were uh, some of the things that you did to create said environment? I got handed it really out of the blue from a friend who got a job touring with a band. So they were like, hey, I have this thing. Do you want it? And I was like, I don't not, not want it. <laughs> so I went and tried to do it like a couple of weeks and I was like well this is weird the crowd wasn't it and like the audience wasn't consistent and I was like how do I do this whenever I'm in like a space of time I get really into like what it's all about and I read this amazing book called Belong by Radha Agrawal and she's just the coolest person ever and she's like all about creating safe spaces for community and i used her book as like a bouncing off point she's basically like you need to be really 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 specific with what you do want and really 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 specific with what you don't want and you need to go out and be like hey we want these kinds of people this is the kind of space we're trying to have that kind of space we're not trying to have and people will literally like go out of their way, make it there if it's their niche. Basically just bounced off of that, yeah. You said, I've been doing something in one way that doesn't mean it has to be that way forever. That was in reference to making and creating more purposeful, meaningful human connections and community building. Yeah, no, a thousand percent, because I'd been playing and like burning myself out a really consistent amount forever and ever. And I just kind of thought that if I was going to be in music and be in the music community, I just kind of had to come to terms with the fact that I'd never get to be close to the people I was playing shows with or playing music with. And I just kind of decided that I'm not comfortable with that. I want to know the folks around me. And I, I just wanted somewhere where people could go and be goofy if they want to be goofy and serious if they want to be serious, where people would treat them the same way, just depending on how they show up that day, because everybody needs that. So a little thing is when I first conceived the idea for this podcast, it was going to be a very hey, this is a musician. What kind of cool stuff do you keep in your instrument case? But it's evolved for me to talk to different artists that express their art in different ways. But one of the things that I remember most about the open mics is your pink guitar case. Can you uh, kind of explain the pink guitar case for the listeners? Yeah, so... The pink guitar case I have, I basically used as a guest book. 
the people that roll through the open mics would basically sign their names. And if you were new to it, we were like, oh my gosh, you got to sign the guest book. And people would be like, lots of laughs. That's really funny. But it ended up being a really sweet kind of ritual everybody could do. I think I had a lot of anxiety when I was a lot younger. When I started trying to remind myself of the folks around me and like in very visceral ways, hey, all of my friends, please sign this guitar. And then every time I'm like feeling singular and secluded, I felt really, I felt like part of a community. I like got reminded, hey, you're, you're part of a family. You have friends, you have people who care about you. And I'd be like, oh yeah, I, I do. And yeah, it's something as simple as that. And I think it helped friends and it helped people that came out too. It was really cool to see. Yeah, a very happy accident. That's really cool that something that you started as a guest book turned into, in a way, a kind of grounding tool for you. It's like falling apart right now. <laughs> I have to get a completely new case because I'm so afraid of breaking it. I'm literally wrapping my guitar in a blanket right now. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that I remember from the open mics that you would host you'd have all these amazing playlists that would play during the transition from one person getting on and off stage what do you consider when you're crafting your playlist mm. oh mm. so i would basically try to find i'm big on just looking up classic 70s and i'll go through it like the whole week like a classic 70s playlist on spotify or something and I'll listen to everything, go through everything, and if anything in particular jumps out, I'll be like, ooh, that's great. That would be really, really specific. It wouldn't just be like some random thing. They're just so fun to build, but then also it was like the coolest thing ever because there would be times that people would come through and they'd be like, who did that song? And I'd be like, oh, dang, it's literally the playlist I put together and it's one of the people playing at the open mic that night their song would be playing so it was like additional ways of getting music that was really great heard by more people like while we were already showcasing other people yeah so cool are your playlists available for people to listen to mm-hmm. they're for everybody I, I am not a hoarder when you lived in Mendocino you said you had this garden with so many vegetables that you had to give them mm. away. You were making friends with all these farm animals. And there was a treehouse where you were able to see the ocean. Mm -hmm. That's true. All true. Well, I lived in Mendocino, which is one of the, the coolest places I ever got to live when I was a kid. Even though we moved a lot. And I have like mixed feelings about moving a lot. Any kid would. But when we were there, it was just really special. The kids were super sweet at the school I went to. And yeah, this, uh, there was this giant tree and there was a house at the top of it. And you could climb up the stairway around the tree. And the tree was like huge and old. And it was totally wrapped in all these vines that had basically grown for so long that they looked like tree limbs hugging the tree. Truly, truly, super freaking magical. It used to be a hippie commune in the 1970s. And they had like redone the whole place. And it was basically like, like a hotel or retreat type thing. Yeah, what a wild time. Anyway, everything's been weird ever since. <laughs> I'm always like, it's nice, but it's not as cool as that one place where the treehouse looks out to the ocean. <laughs> 
Do you think being around all of that as a teenager has had some kind of influence on your music or the kind of music you want to write? Yeah, definitely. I was very lucky at looking back, like really lucky to be around folks that were pushing me instead of admonishing me for being really into like fantasy and was reading so many books and I was like really into the renaissance and I was drawing fairies and all of my notebooks and like writing novels. I was in a role, a creativity role. And it was just kind of like given room to grow. I don't know. I just feel like some kids maybe don't get the push from their parents or the folks around them or their friends around them for that to be like okay or even celebrated when they're really young. So they have a hard time accepting like love or like being in their like creative weirdness and like a really free non-self-hating kind of way so i'm really lucky for that it definitely it's definitely made me (laughs) who i am now (laughs) so you've also mentioned before that when you were young your mother gave you a box to keep your lyrics in and the lyrics you were making when you were doing chores around the house Mm -hmm. do you still have that box Mm Hmm. <laughs> I'm literally looking at it right now. <laughs> it's on my bookshelf. It's so funny. I'm like kind of a mess as I'm older. I have like so many songs that I forget them all the time. And I'll be like on YouTube and I'll be like, oh my God, yeah, I forgot about that song. When you open up the box, it has all these detailed, organized like lists of what number song it is and like when I I wrote it. I was was so good at my job and now I'm not so good. (laughs) But yeah, it's really, really funny. There's so many stickers and it's wild. When you're writing a new song, do you go through that box sometimes for inspiration? Yeah, I've gone through it just to see like what I was writing and It's funny. They all have like little illustrations. (laughs) They're like illustrated stories. They're like, this is a story of how my friends and I got torn apart, moved across the country. And it has like a broken heart. They're like holding one side of the broken heart and I'm holding the other side of the broken heart. Maybe that was my inspiration subconsciously for my anxious broken heart. In an interview, you've mentioned that you bought your mom's tailor when your Yamaha was stolen. Do you still have that guitar? I do. It's the same one I've been using this whole time. It's very old now. (laughs) And it was the house guitar for all the open mics. So it's so worn looking. It's, it's, it's very (laughs) wild, but I am very grateful for that. And also I was in a good place to be able to do that because I was living at home. I was in high school. I think I was working at the the Bel Air as a like courtesy clerk, and I had all this money just sitting around, and I was just buying random things with it. <laughs> how how I wish that was me now. <laughs> Did you ever decide on a name for that guitar? Yeah, so its name is Babe Town, and. It's because my friend Lux put a sticker on it like 12 years ago, and it's still on it. It has not fallen off yet, which is wild. I just put more tape on it. 
Um, she put a sticker that said Babetown USA on it, and I th- thought it was funny. So I taped it on, and now that's just its name. You name all of your instruments? I do name all of my instruments. Yeah, I've got an electric guitar I just got. That's name is Amy Lou. And the banjo I have right now is named Mod for Harold and Mod because Cat Stevens did a lot of banjo songwriting in that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. And then June is the auto harp. Now, why do you name your instruments? I think that I kind of see them as in Lord of the Rings. There's Sam and Frodo, and that's kind of how I feel about instruments. They're like your your little buddy that follows you around and gives you emotional support. <laughs> instruments are, are, are Samwise, and we are, unfortunately, Frodo. <laughs> Rest in peace, us. <laughs> Everyone's like, what happened to Samwise? And they're like, he had a happy life. And they're like, what happened to Frodo? And we're like, we don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> So you've been writing and performing for so long. I just want to take a look at your discography. December 15th, 2011, it looks like you released a single called I Light a Fire. Do you remember what your mindset was like upon releasing your first single for streaming services? I was so excited and... I just felt really empowered because I'd been trying really hard to, I don't know, when you first start out, you have so many good ideas and you might even be talented at that time. I don't know if I was. Who knows? Depended on the day, really. But it's so hard to find resources. You just don't know a lot and don't know a lot of people. I didn't know like how to record things. I didn't know who to go to to record with. All that stuff was really challenging for me. So for me to like get all the balls together meant that I'd ask the right people for help and that I was kind of like figuring it out and it felt really cool. Plus, I loved that song. I was in my like sixpence none the richer like fan person time of my life. It was a great time. Now, 2011 was when Instagram was first taking off as an app. So it's years before things like Vine Mm -hmm. and TikTok were even conceived. What were some of the ways that you promoted your single and your music during that time? Oh, my gosh. Wow. Mm, Thank you for bringing this up. Because it's... We're in such a weird... At least... maybe, Maybe it's just me. I am at least in a very weird generational part of life because I remember a time when there wasn't like internet (laughs) (laughs) and everything was like dial up and for me to do marketing for shows, marketing for album releases, even just marketing for myself, I would literally draw and paint a poster and I would go and copy the poster have it printed and I would drive around town with all of my friends and we put them up in all the local cafes and at local high schools and yeah we would literally go on like little day trips to like canvas the neighborhood to be like I put a single out really and truly (laughs) and with all the new apps and the different ways to reach people today are there any 
kind of strategies that you implement when you promote your releases and new projects? You know, something that's always kind of worked for me and I've decided to stop trying to do anything else is I just try to look at my own space, my own like favorite things. And I'm like, what's my favorite color? What are my favorite plants? Like, what do I like to do when I'm not doing music? Like, I like to listen to poetry. I like to listen to music. I like to write. I like to go on like nature walk. I really love design and graphic design is really cool where you'll try and take all the things that make you you, water them down to like a couple of things that stick out the most, condense that and then be like, okay, if you're going to have like an online space, like, and you want it to actually be you, you really like nature, put a ton of nature. <laughs> and like, you're really into writing with pen, stuff like that. You're really into handwriting and stuff like that. Do stuff that's handwritten and uh, as opposed to like typing or anything like that. But it could be completely unique to whoever it is. You know, it's kind of like branding yourself, but without it being like, a dehumanizing, non-autonomy kind of experience that I found personal branding to be in the past. Nice. So, continuing with the timeline, March 29th, 2014, you released a three-song EP called Scout EP, which featured Bells, My Worst Enemy, Young for the Night, mm. and then there's a six-year break and you released a single, My Anxious Brain and My Broken Heart, in August 10th, 2020. And then 2022 was a big year for you releasing music for streaming. Mm -hmm. It started with September 3rd, you released your single for your song, L.A. And then 2022, December 2nd, you released two albums, Reclamation of Self Part 1, which is Calling Out, Little Heart, perfect example of at home blink of an eye and then the second album reclamation of self part two which is a live album mm -hmm. it starts with intro in c my own worst enemy young for the night calling out bells birds and the bear you are all best and worst piano and then you have a little band intro Lucky for the USA and Because of You. And 2023, you have a song coming out. At this point, has come out. Sorry, an EP that just came out. I've been sitting on that for a, a second. I recorded it in Sacramento before I left. And the reason why it's called While We're Here is because that was what we were doing while I was still there. <laughs> I did not have a lot of money because I was trying to save up to move all of my things across the country in a very tiny car with a cat and I did not have a lot of energy but it was so so worth it because Damien Verrett of So Much Light is such a treasure he is so talented and yeah I'm really excited it's it's very dreamy because that's like his vibe so I'm just really excited that I got in and got to work with him because I've been trying to work with him for forever. Yeah, I've seen he's worked with several other artists in Sacramento. Oh, yeah, he's super busy. And he has awesome, awesome uh, solo stuff. I've got, like, a playlist I have that's basically, like, 
good folks I know for real. <laughs> it's just all the people I know from like open mic and his stuff is in that too. So now Otto, you are in the California Music Hall of Fame from winning seven awards for Artist of the Year, Best Songwriter, and Best Indie. First off, I want to congratulate you on that. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> so you have a much more experienced background to this next question. What type of advice would you give an aspiring mm -hmm. songwriter? Mm. There's no such thing as being reductive and no such thing as being unoriginal and no such thing as creating bad art or art that's not valid. If it seems art that isn't valid. Only if it just like space. <laughs> so there's no such thing as making art that isn't valid. If you're like very yourself, you know, if you're telling your own truth truth obviously you're gonna hope that like the truth is something that like heals or like says something important and like doesn't bring other people down in a way that hurts other people like honestly if you are yourself and unique to yourself and you're being true to your own story then like there's no such thing as you being like a ripoff or you may be influenced and inspired by other people and that's exactly how art works i'm inspired by so many people and I really I'm like very much team like you need to be like talking about the fact that like you're deeply inspired by people there's something wrong with it it's not like you're not stealing everyone starts somewhere and you maybe start off sounding like them but the more you keep playing the more you'll just sound like you and yeah <laughs> I've had a long time to think about that and I, like, repeat it to myself every single day. <laughs> it was like, there's nothing wrong with playing music. People don't even have to hear your music. If it makes you happy and it helps you in some way or, like, helps you, it helps keep you out of, like, intensive therapy every week, then I think that's valid and I think that's beautiful. And anybody who says otherwise, I don't trust <laughs> Well, thank you for being our guest here at the What's in Your Case podcast. Do you have anything that you'd like to promote or just tell the listeners where they can find your content? Mm, okay, sure. I have an Instagram. If y'all want to pop on over to that, it's usually the easiest. There are so many things and I'm on all of them, but I'm on Instagram. It's Instagram.com slash Hall, And there's like a link tree at the bio there if you want to find me on other platforms um but yeah the while we're here ep comes out on april 15th and i hope you enjoy it and thank you so much for having me don rico